And good morning. I'm Gary Randall. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's Wednesday, August the 9th, 2023, in the year of our Lord. On August 9, 1974, Vice President Gerald Ford became the nation's 38th chief executive as President Richard Nixon's resignation took effect. Today in 1934, President Franklin D. Roosevelt signed an executive order nationalizing silver. Today, in 1945, three days after the atomic bombing of, well, we used to call it Hiroshima, but it's Hiroshima now, Japan. A USB, three days after that, a USB-29 superfortress, codenamed Boxcar, dropped a nuclear device over Nagasaki, killing an estimated 74,000 people. Ten years ago today, President Barack Obama promised to work with Congress on appropriate reforms, quote-unquote. What he was talking about was the domestic surveillance programs that he had been talking about and that had been stirring criticism at home and even in foreign countries. That gives you an idea of what's in the mind of Barack Obama. Talking about appropriate reforms relating that to domestic surveillance programs to keep an eye on everybody to be sure we keep our mouth shut, keep our head down, and do the work that's been assigned to us by the federal government. Heritage Foundation wrote an, uh, an article today, and I, I, I just saw it a few moments ago, and I didn't have time to read it all, but I sort of scanned it. And it looked at, it was um, from their, the Signal, which is a, a, an arm of the Heritage Foundation, and they were writing about who's in charge of the White House. And uh, it's something we'll probably be talking about more in the coming days, uh, given what's developing or seems to be developing. But the article makes the case. And like I said, I haven't read it all, but I scanned it just minutes before I came on the air this morning. But they're making the case that Barack Obama is basically running the White House and making the decisions um, Joe Biden, I, I mean, it, it, this, it's not disrespectful to the presidency, but honestly, Joe Biden does not know what's going on. He really doesn't. And they make that case that Barack Obama and some of the people that he has kind of told Biden to put in place in the White House uh, are running the country. They're making the decisions. And that's, I guess, that's good news to some, but it's very concerning to others. And yet, how bad would it be if somebody wasn't pulling this string? I mean, it's just very, very confusing, very confusing time in history, in the history of the world, because the whole world is looking at America today. They're wondering what in the world is going on there? What happened to those people? I mean, nations that looked up to us and admired us and nations that hated us are all kind of aghast. I mean, they have one thing in common. They're wondering, what's going on in America? What happened? We lost our way. There's no question about that. But I believe our way can be restored and recovered if people of faith, Christians, conservatives, will continue to stand for what they believe and not be moved by some of the current currents that are happening in our culture today. Unfortunately, last night was not a good night in Ohio. A proposed constitutional amendment at the center of the abortion rights battle 
it failed in Ohio in a special election they had. Voters in Ohio rejected a ballot measure that would have required at least 60% of voters to pass any amendments to the state constitution. That was putting upping it uh, the, from a simple majority to a 60% a supermajority of voters. The reason that this was so important is that the proposed amendment did not mention abortion in the text, but it was an effort to stop a separate ballot measure that's coming from the left in November in the state of, uh, of Ohio that aims to enshrine abortion rights into the state's constitution. Now, this is important that we're aware of this because um, Ohio is said to be, and they have been, a pro-life state, and apparently they are, but they did not win this election, and it wasn't that close. Um, it, it was sad. I was kind of paying attention to it. It, it. it was a really sad day last night when they realized, the, the conservatives, the Christians, they realized what had happened. But uh, it's a warning for pro-life states across the nation. But it's also, I think, a heads up for pro-abortion states across the nation as well. Certainly pro-life states can expect more of this in the in the coming months uh, with the general you know, consensus now among the left. I mean, they're going to have abortion. They're going to kill those babies no matter what, and they're not going to let anybody stand in their way. They're going to run over them with the power of the presidency and the White House and the Oval Office and all lined up behind them. And if Barack Obama is in fact running the country, they can count on him. He's all in with them, as is Biden, to the extent that he knows what he's into. But nonetheless, millions of dollars in liberal dark money flooded into Ohio to ensure the win, they say. The uh, Susan B. Anthony, they're a pro-life organization. They were kind of a little bit discouraged last night in some of the statements they were making, and I can understand why. They worked hard at this in organizing people in the state and so on. But uh, a spokesperson for the Susan B. Anthony organization said, tragically, some sat on the sideline while outsider liberal groups poured millions into Ohio. I looked into it a little bit, and they did. Uh, Some put as much as two and three and four and five million dollars into a state, one state issue, and that was this um, this amendment and this um, raising to 60% of voters to pass any amendments to the state constitution. So in November, we'll probably be hearing that uh, the left has come up with a, with a um, amendment to the state constitution to put abortion enshrine it into their Ohio State Constitution. I think we should be aware of that because it will there will be an effort to do that in all of the blue states, the Democrat-controlled, liberal-controlled states, which are all three of them on the West Coast and others across the country. So we just need to be informed, and God is in control. And... Um, we just keep standing, keep walking, stand in the gap, be the be the be the person on the wall that that's that's watching the watchman on the wall, uh, sound the trumpet, uh, stand in the gap, uh, whatever phrases we can think of to identify people who are taking a stand for Christ. Uh, we need to be that.
and we need to stand firm. I was reading this morning earlier in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, and I, I, I read these verses. In fact, they're underlined in my personal Bible. I've used them. I've probably preached sermons on these on these verses. But let me just share with you a, a couple of verses here from uh, Corinthians it's chapter chapter 2, verses 12, 13, 14, 15. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of God, that we might know the things that are freely given to us of God, which things also we speak, not in the words which man's wisdom teacheth, but which the Holy Ghost teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man receiveth not the things of the spirit of God, for they are foolishness unto him, neither can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he that is spiritual judges all things, yet he himself is judged of no man. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. I think these verses are going to become... They're always important. They're the word of the Lord. But I think these verses are going to become even more important to us in our daily lives as we progress. Because I want to talk to you again about this AI matter. It is a prevailing, prevailing movement in America, and it's touching every part of our culture. I'm sure you've heard about Hollywood and their strike and all of this. Well, the Los Angeles Times said yesterday that they, uh, they said with Hollywood's actors and writers currently striking in part over concerns about AI, which was once a movie premise, now has come to define the film industry. The Los Angeles Times continued, they said, but automation isn't just a showbiz concern. New polling for the Los Angeles Times shows it touches everyone. The Times says nearly half of Americans, 45% of us, are concerned about the effect artificial intelligence will have on their own line of work, compared to 29% who are not concerned, according to a new poll for the Times conducted by Ledger. That's a Canadian-based polling firm. They do a lot of polling here in the United States. They're pretty accurate, actually. But um, anyway, Ledger and the LA Times teamed up on this. The paper says there are other issues, but AI has been a prominent sticking point with the writers demanding limits on machine-generated scripts and actors push for regulations on the use of cutting-edge technologies to digitally clone them, enabling students to create new performances without actually needing an actor on the set. Well, there's a... There, there, there's a piece out there in the Financial Times yesterday afternoon that was talking about Google and Universal Music have negotiated a deal over AI, what they're calling deep flakes. And Google and Universal Music have negotiated this deal, and uh, it, it, it has to do with new technology that can mimic artists like singers or even actors or whatever, but artists' voices. And that's been now as seen as the new level of the growing threat. So this paper, the LA Times goes into it because that's a big business. Hollywood is a big business in Los Angeles, as, you, as we all know. But the Times says there's a torrent of money flowing into this sector, this artificial intelligence, not surprisingly. But they said $22.7 billion was invested 
over the first quarter, the first quarter of this year into that market of developing AI, $22.7 billion invested in the first quarter of this year. I'm, it could be more in the following quarters, but that's what they were reporting on. This is from PitchBook. It's a research firm. They're, they report such things. But the, um, the, friendly, the consumer-friendly AI modules, they say, such as ChatGPT and this DALL-E, it's D-A-L-L-E, all caps. They're consumer-friendly AI modules such as these are rapidly, rapidly expanding with this investment money. Industries as varied as law, trucking, retail, policing, and journalism are all staring down the barrel of an artificially intelligent future. The Times says even these two strikes do change how the entertainment industry uses artificial intelligence. Legions of Americans, they say, and other professions are anxious about AI, and after Hollywood, they may turn their focus to Capitol Hill. Take over, take over Congress. I think a lot of people are, if they're paying attention to what's happening in our world today, I think a lot of people are staring down that barrel, wondering what's next. I think in a news conference last month, President of SAG and AFTRA, those are the two. Uh, co-ops, the, the unions of the actors and creators, writers, and so on. This Fran Drescher, you might remember, well, she was in a TV show for a long time, The Nanny, I think I think that was the name of it, I can't remember. She's a very coarse, vile woman in the way she talks. She didn't play that kind of a role in that program, as I recall. I didn't watch it a lot, but I remember I saw it a couple of times, a long time ago. Anyway, she's the president of the SAG-AFTRA now. And uh, she says, she said uh, this week, she said, artificial intelligence poses an existential threat to creative professions and all actors and performers deserve contract language that protects them from having their identity and talent exploited without consent and pay. She said, if we don't stand tall right now, I'm quoting her, we are all going to be in trouble. We are all going to be in jeopardy of being replaced by machines. This Greg Cross, he's the chief executive of of a AI company. It's called Avatar Startup. It's called Soul Machines. He said, he said this is not just a Hollywood phenomenon. He said AI is literally eating the world. Let's talk for a few minutes about Christianity and AI. This poll showed that almost half of us in America, 57% of those aged 18 to 34, are concerned about the impact on their jobs. Others, the same. The older, in this poll, I'm looking at a summary of it on a chart, the older you get, the less concerned you are, according to this poll, about AI as it relates to your job. That's understandable. I mean, that makes sense. The 18 to 34 group years old group is 57% of them are very concerned. 35 to 54 years old, 46% are very concerned or, or are concerned. 55 plus, 37% are concerned. But overall, America, 45% of us are concerned about how it will impact our job. 
63% of U.S. consumers think governments must regulate AI to reduce the risk of replacing human jobs. I think the Christian must be informed and mentally and spiritually prepared. AI is not going to go away anytime soon, and that's why I've been talking about it a lot lately, and everybody's talking about it now. They weren't so much. The first time I talked about this, I thought, well, is this just kind of a passing cloud on a hot day? It's going to evaporate or whatever. But no, it's not. It's not going to go away. There are a thousand takes on whether AI will assist in spreading the gospel and helping individuals or whether it will be destructive, be a deceptive tool of Satan. I mean, there's people all over the place on this, and I don't think anyone has it all wrapped up now. Is it going to be a good thing or a bad thing for the cause of Christ and for Christians individually? As I said, there are a thousand takes on that issue. But I think it has the possibility to be used of God. But it also has, I think, a greater possibility at this point. And I've been reading a lot about it. I think it has a greater potential to be very destructive, particularly, well, to the church and to the cause of Christ, to the mission of the gospel, spreading the gospel. But I think even more so, it has the potential to be destructive to individuals because it can change their minds, your mind, and my mind. And in changing our minds, it changes our heart. There's a growing, I'm going to be just very direct about this. I mean, I'm just going to tell you what I know and what, what I'm sure I, I, I know is, is, is true so far. A growing number of pastors are, relay, are relying on AI now to create their sermons. And it isn't just those far-left Episcopalians. I mean, it's some evangelical pastors. Um, the case that they're making, I don't agree with this, but the case they're making is that they can put into their AI programs the points they want to make. So it's their sermon, as God has given it to them for their congregation, but AI writes the sermon. And the case that's being made is that some pastors are wonderful people and wonderful pastors, but they're not great spokesmen. They're not dynamic when they give their sermons and so on. And so AI gives them the ability to have that, um, have that dynamic in presenting their message, what they feel God wants them to preach. There's a lower level to that, and that is that some pastors are just saying, it free, I don't have to mess with sermons, and I can just spend all my time among the people. And AI can write my sermons. You put in four talking points, like how to have a happy day scripturally. AI will create a sermon for you 30 minutes long, or 25, or whatever you tell it to do, and it will find the verses in the Bible that that are linked to what you're saying, and they create a sermon. So you just go over it a few minutes on Saturday night or whatever, and you give that sermon. And you can spend all the rest of your time is freed up. That's the case that's being made. I'm not buying it because I have never seen in my own personal experience, and again, I'm just laying it out, what I know. 
I have never felt personally that ministry is a career. I've always believed it was a calling. I could be wrong, but that's what I have believed. I've lived my life that way. My wife can verify we've made decisions based on ministry being a calling, not a career, and what's the best move? How can I be in a better church, bigger church, whatever? That hasn't been um, the way we've lived our life. And so in fairness, I've got to tell you that to say, I'm not buying this stuff. I don't think there's any place for AI in the pulpit. I, I, I don't. And I know not everyone agrees with me. And I know perhaps some of you listening don't agree. But I don't, I don't believe you say, well, I suppose you wouldn't believe in the printing press. That's a different matter. And there are some people making that case. They're saying, well, AI is going to help us move the gospel forward and get the gospel to every creature and so on. Well, I mean, there is that element. I mean, it's, it's partially true that it could be useful. It depends on who's putting, doing the input and whose hands the machines are in and how they're being used. But when they use the printing press at Wittenberg, they're saying, see, that was the newest thing. That was just like AI is today. No, it isn't. The printing press repeated and republished in the people's language what the Bible said because they didn't know what the Bible says. AI is not telling you what the Bible says. We have that Bible in our hands. It's telling you what to say about what the Bible says. And that's very different. And I see these pastors, boy, they're they're on all these websites and they're talking and all these guys are selling, you know, programs now to help pastors, you know, and get AI programs going and they can do their 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 sermon and so on. Maybe it would be helpful for teachers, professors. I mean, I see some value in it. I'm not closed-minded, but I'm saying there is there is a looming cloud that comes with all of this, and we need to be very, very careful as to what we're doing here. I wrote an article today with the full understanding that I wasn't going to be able to go through all of it with you, but I, a part of this I want to make you aware of and encourage you to maybe, I'm going to kind of summarize some things. Everybody has an opinion on this, but I've noticed recently the Christian Medical and Dental Association has come out with some in-depth, in-depth information on this from the medical Christian. They're very Christian, deeply committed. I've worked with those guys in the past, and boy, the ones I've worked with were, were the real deal. But um, anyway, they've come out with some information, and I included that in an article that I wrote for our website today. It's at Faith and Freedom, faithandfreedom.us, not .com, but .us. And as I said, I've spent some time with these leaders of this organization in the past. We've been in churches together making presentations on moral issues like assisted suicide and euthanasia and all those kind of things. And uh, wherever I've spent time with them, uh, any of them, whoever they are, uh, boy, they're they're the real deals. I mean, th- they really are, in my opinion. So uh, this caught my attention, and it's a it's a lengthy article, but it's really important. And if if you have the time, take a look at it. Just go to the, the, the article I wrote today and 
scroll down and you'll see a, a link to Christian Medical and Dental Association and what they have to say about AI from their perspective and their medical doctors. But some of the expert excerpts from that says AI is a type of technology and technologies can be used either for good or bad purposes. Understand from this dual purpose perspective, AI is morally neutral. It, it doesn't have a moral component. They say the consequences of deployment of technologies, however, are not always evenly divided among good and bad outcomes. The way technologies are designed can constrain human choices, promote specific habits of use, or in some cases, introduce potential harms that are disproportionate in magnitude or duration in comparison to the beneficial effects. For a very powerful or potently irreversible technology, all of these aspects must be considered in ethical analysis guiding decisions about appropriate use and restraint. They go into this. They said the Christian understanding of human nature also encompasses a dual aspect. All human beings are created in the image of God and are designed by their creator to have inestimable worth. They quote him from Genesis chapter 1. At the same time, they say all human beings are fallen. Human nature is both splendid and sinful. Scripture encourages us to seek righteousness while also reminding us that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And they go on to develop that quite quite extensively. They say AR machines are not human, nor will they be. And that is very true. This philosopher Jay Richards is quoted in there. He says, The greatest delusion of our age is the paradoxical penchant to deny our own agency while attributing agency to the machines we create. This is very true. This William P. Uh, Cheshire, he's a MD and MA, a professor of neurology at Mayo Clinic in Jacksonville, Florida. He's a former president of this association. He's a Christian, very devout Christian, brilliant guy. And uh, he says the potential medical benefits of AI are considerable and if wisely used can align with the Christian healthcare goals. But he said, even if AI intelligence were to surpass human thought, Christians recognize that God's thoughts are infinitely higher than the upper limit of anything possible by machine intelligence. Isaiah 55.8 The Christian healthcare professional understands that Christ, not technology, is the true Savior. Christ, not the machine intelligence, is the way, the truth, and the life. Christ, not artificial intelligence, is the source of all wisdom our rescue from disease and death, our everlasting hope. So, some thoughts on that today. Think about it. Be aware of it. I wouldn't throw out AI. I mean, there are people using it in business, and that is helping them. It's being able to, you know, to speed up the process of reports and one thing or another. But we need to be very, very careful with this as it develops. If they're pouring tens of billions of dollars into it every quarter. It's going to keep developing and at a very, very rapid pace. And it has the potential to get out of control. So keep that in mind. Be informed. Be discerning. Thanks for being with me today. I'll see you tomorrow.